Hi, I'm Pastor Brady, and welcome to week four of our eight-week series called Upside Down, where we are taking a deep dive into Jesus' Sermon on the Mount that we find in Matthew chapters 5 through 7. This time, we are beginning to look at the largest section found in the Sermon on the Mount, the Six Antitheses. Good evening. It's good to have you here tonight. We, uh, we didn't meet last week because we had our small group weekend, so it's just good to be back here with you all here on a Sunday night. It's glad to have you, and uh, I'm excited to get back into our series because tonight marks week four of our eight-week series called Upside Down, where we're taking this journey through the Sermon on the Mount, and we find the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapters 5 through 7, and this is what we say is this is the greatest sermon ever preached. It's spoken by Jesus himself, and the teachings that we can find in it are just so incredible. And so that's why we've been focusing on some of the final words that Jesus says to conclude his sermon. We've been focusing on this verse where Jesus says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. So with this in mind, we're going to test your memory. Does anyone remember what teaching we focused on two weeks ago, last time we met. And no, it had nothing to do with me wearing a banana suit, although that did happen. So what teaching did we talk about? What portion of the Sermon on the Mount did we talk about two weeks ago? Swopey. Salt and, want to phone a friend? Yes, salt and light. We were talking about salt and light. And so we were talking about how Jesus, he was challenging us to begin flipping our understanding upside down of what exactly our role is supposed to be on this earth. So he was challenging us with that. And so we don't want to be the kind of just like shallow people, shallow Christians that just kind of say, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus, but then you don't actually live it out. Like that's the complete opposite of what we want to be. We want to be salt and light that make that positive impact on the world. And so that's why Jesus tells us as his followers, he says, you are to be the salt of the earth and you are to be the light of the world. These, you know, images of things that have this major positive impact. And so that's what we talked about last week. And again, uh, if you missed it, you can always go back and check it out on the podcast where we have all of our Sunday night lessons uh, that you can catch up to. But tonight we're continuing our journey on through the Sermon on the Mount. And before we read our next section, I have a question for you all. Have you ever experienced a moment where someone was telling you something and you just had a feeling, that's not the whole story, is it? You just can kind of tell like, hmm, I can tell you're definitely leaving out a few key details here. You guys ever had that happen before, like when someone's telling you something? Yeah, uh, I'll give you an example of this. And especially since my dad's here tonight, he can also give you this example. My older brother, uh, Evan, and I, you know, growing up, we had the tendency to sometimes get into, you know, little arguments, little, you know, spats with one another. And what would usually happen is we would just fight and argue until eventually one of us kind of gave up and then just ran to one of our parents. And so I would run to my dad and I'd be like, Dad, Evan was being mean. He was yelling at me and he was trying to hit me. 
And he's just the meanest big brother ever. You need to ground him and punish him. And so that's usually what would happen, is I'd go to him just exactly like that, except maybe a little bit more squeaky. And so I'd go to him just like, yeah, a lot more squeaky. <laughs> but it would be just like that. And I would always like, give all those very important details about how awful my brother was being. But I would never leave out the details about how, you know, I was the one who started it. You know, that I was the one that really, you know, was the, the kind of the problem. Uh, I would never tell that to him because I would always leave out those key parts of the story. And so tonight, and actually next week as well, we're going to be focusing on a key part of the Sermon on the Mount where we find there's not the whole story. And Jesus is here to fix that. Because we find that there's a lot of things that those people sitting on the mountainside, and including us today in 2023, we don't have the full story for some things, and Jesus is here to give us that. And so this section, it's the largest section found in the Sermon on the Mount, and it's known as the Six Antitheses. Try saying that with me. Antitheses. I'm definitely going to just like totally mess, mess that up a couple times. Antitheses. But what, what does that mean? What is antithesis? That's like the singular form of it. What does that mean? What is an antithesis or antitheses? Aiden, you're like Mr. Dictionary. So what do you got? So yeah, you're, you're, I, 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 that is great like context clues trying to figure that out. So yeah, essentially an antithesis is kind of defined as a contrast or opposition between two things. And so I, got, I got my candy here, so Aiden, let me, uh, let me toss you a piece. Well done. Thank you, Mr. Dictionary. Appreciate it as always. Hope you're not allergic to peanuts, otherwise that'd be awkward. But this is what we see happening here, is over the course of this section of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus, he provides us various examples of commandments that we find in the Old Testament. And these commandments in the Old Testament, the followers on that mountainside who would have been listening to Jesus preach, they would have believed these commandments. They would have followed them wholeheartedly. They would have like really, you know, honored these commandments. And what Jesus is going to do here is he's going to break down six different commandments, hence why it's called the six antitheses. And he's pretty much going to tell us, you don't have the full story. Like you have part of it, but there's so much more that you need to know about it. And so we're going to take a look at just one of these antitheses. Uh, and so as Jesus, he's up on that mountainside and he proceeds to teach these words to the crowd of followers. So listen to this. Jesus says, you have heard that our ancestors were told, you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. So, ooh, all right. This is Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 to 22. And I got to say, I mean, this, this is pretty intense stuff right here. But the first thing Jesus does is he begins by quoting one of the Ten Commandments. And I imagine all of us are pretty familiar with the Ten Commandments. But he starts off by quoting one of the Ten Commandments, Thou shall not murder. Thou shall not murder. And again, this is one that I imagine we're all pretty familiar with. And especially those on that mountainside listening to Jesus preach this, they would have been really familiar with this. And so Jesus, he kind of explains it by saying, 
you have heard this from our ancestors. Like you have heard that it was said, thou shalt not murder. But then after that, he says what? But I say, and he goes on and gives this explanation. So he says, you've heard this, but I say. And so what Jesus is doing is he is trying to expand our thinking on this. He's trying to challenge our thinking on this, to think deeper about what exactly these commandments are all about. And he's explaining that, yeah, here's your small portion, like thou shalt not murder. Like that's like your small little bit, but there's so much more that you need to understand here. And so we're going to constantly see this pattern over and over with these six antitheses. You've heard that it was said, or you've heard from our ancestors, but I say. We're going to see this pattern over and over. And so one other thing before we really start, you know, starting to break down these uh, antitheses one by one, one thing that we have to understand is what Jesus is doing here is like incredibly, incredibly bold. It is like really bold for Jesus to make this kind of proclamation. Because quick question, who wrote the Ten Commandments? Luke? It was indeed Moses. And what do we know about Moses? What do we know about Moses? Obviously, someone says, if, if someone says he wrote the Ten Commandments, that is not worthy of candy. But what do we know about Moses? Taryn? Yeah, he led the Israelites out of Egypt. Yeah. And so Moses, something you have to know about Moses is for those uh, who are Jewish, and especially those on that mountainside, Moses was the person that they would have looked up to the most. Like Moses is the most respected individual in all of Jewish culture. And so when we see Jesus essentially telling them, you have heard this from Moses, thou shalt not murder. But I say, this is Jesus telling them like, my words are more important than Moses. And that was totally unheard of at the time. Like, people who are just been listening to that, they would have just been, like, awestruck. Like, you know, eyes wide, mouth, you know, somewhat open. Like, they just would have been just completely shocked that Jesus would, you know, put himself at this level of authority. And so that's why, if you remember, we talked about this way back in week one. After Jesus finished preaching the Sermon on the Mount, one of the things that we see people uh, talking about afterwards is when Jesus finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. For he taught with real authority, quite unlike their teachers of religious law. So Jesus shows that, you know, I have the authority over Moses. As the son of God, I have the authority over Moses. I have the authority to challenge your way of thinking, to expand on what you think you know, and to let you know you don't quite have the full story here. So let's break down. Tonight we're going to be breaking down the first two antitheses, and then next week we're going to break down another two. But let's go ahead. We're going to reread that same one we read earlier, and we're really going to start kind of breaking this down and understanding what exactly Jesus is challenging us with. So again, let me read it one more time, starting at verse 21 here in Matthew 5. You have heard that our ancestors were told, you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say... If you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. 
Okay, so again, this is our first antithesis here of the six. And we see Jesus is trying to flip our understanding of what commandment? What is he trying to expand our thinking upon what commandment? Ian? Thou shalt not murder. Again, we've been talking about it a good bit now, but yeah, that's what we see happening here. He is challenging us to begin expanding our thinking upon this. And so let me just ask you all, very easy question here. When we see the commandment, thou shalt not murder, what do you think it means, Gavin? Don't kill anyone. That is exactly right. Very, very, very good exegesis there. Yes. It's very easy. It is as simple as do not murder. <laughs> do not kill someone. Do not take the life of another person. So Jesus is saying, okay, yes, this is true. Like this is a commandment that we all should follow. But he says the words, but I say, and he starts to challenge them. And he's saying, you don't know the full story here. And so what exactly is the full story that Jesus is trying to tell us with this commandment? Well, I got another question for you. And Gavin, I'm going to pick on you for this one since you were so eager about answering this last one. What do you think leads to someone taking the life of another? Did you, did you look at my... Wow! I thought you like, like, I thought I accidentally like went one slides too many and you saw it. But that's exactly right. Anger. It's anger. And so, uh, quick raise of hands. Who else familiar with the, the story of Cain and Abel? Y'all kind of familiar with the, the story of Cain and Abel? Yeah. So, tell me, tell me what happened. Someone, someone just quickly summarize Cain and Abel for me. Miriam? That's exactly right. Yeah. So, it's like the, the first murder that ever happened in history. And so, as, uh, as Miriam just explained, you had Cain, who was really jealous of his brother Abel, because in Cain's sight, the Lord favored his brother more than, him, than himself. And so, I'm going to pick up here. This is in Genesis chapter 4 that we find this story. And I'm going to pick it up in the middle of verse 5, where it says this. It says, Cain was very angry. And his face was downcast. And then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Well, as Miriam explained, Cain did not do a good job at ruling over his sin and his anger. Instead, he gave into it. And he ended up taking the life of his brother, Abel. But as Gavin said, it was anger that led to the extreme of murder. And that's what Jesus is trying to teach us here. This is the full story that Jesus is trying to teach us. He's saying like, okay, yes, do not murder. That's pretty easy. Like, I would say following the commandment of do not murder is probably a pretty easy commandment for most of us to follow, right? Like, even people that are not Christians, they would agree, yeah, this is a pretty easy one to follow. Not murdering, yeah, I would agree with that one. And, uh, you know, I never really thought I would say that sentence uh, in a lesson, but here we are. But obeying the commandment of do not murder, it's something that most people do. But what Jesus is saying 
is before you even let it get to that extreme of something like murder, you got to stop it from getting even, letting him get even close to that. Like you got to just like nip it in the bud right at the start at what leads to something like murder in the first place. And that being anger. Because when it comes to our anger, I will say that thankfully I have never murdered someone. But in my anger, I've done a lot of nasty things to people. Because in my anger, I have used some incredibly, incredibly harsh words to other people. In my anger, I know that I have done all I can to get revenge against someone because I thought they deserved it. You know, in my anger, I know that I have spread rumors behind someone's back because I wanted them to look bad to everyone else. You know, in my anger, I know that I have done whatever I could to fight them and argue with them. Didn't kill them, but man, I was doing anything I could to make their life miserable. And this is why Jesus, he's challenging us here to squash and control our anger. It's all about stopping the problem from even becoming a problem in the first place. But how do we do that? This is one of those, like, it's a lot easier said than done. Like, how do we control our anger against someone? Well, I want to keep reading here in our passage here in Matthew 5, because as Jesus calls us to not even be angry, he then gives us this explanation, starting in verse 23, where Jesus says this. He says, So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar, go and be reconciled with that person, and then come and offer your sacrifice to God. So it's the middle of verse 24 that I really want us to focus on there. Go and be reconciled with that person. What does that mean? Reconciled. What does it mean to be reconciled with someone? When I look for someone whose hand hasn't been raised, Nadine? Like repairing something with full restoration. That is an excellent, excellent uh, definition of it. So we're talking about reconciling or reconciliation. It means that we are repairing what has been broken. And it means that if you are angry with someone, it means that you are going to repair the relationship that has been broken. And I do just want to say, when it comes to reconciling a relationship with someone, there are a lot of different things we have to take into account. And I will also say that just because you are trying to repair what is broken doesn't mean that you need to become best friends with that person again if there has been something done really horribly. It doesn't mean that you become best friends, but it simply means that you repair what is broken so that you are no longer carrying that weight and they are no longer carrying that weight. It doesn't mean you have to be best friends. But it means you are repairing what has been broken so you can look to move on. And so you're going to get the chance to kind of talk about some different examples of what that kind of looks like uh, in your small groups. But uh, for now, I just want to go ahead and I want to jump to our second antithesis here because this one, this one I think is really, really important. In fact, personally for me, I think this is, I think, the most important of the six antithesis. Antithesis. Yeah, whatever that word is. Uh, this is one I think is the most important. So let me just read it for you. This is in Matthew chapter 5, and it starts at verse 27. So listen to this. Jesus says to the crowd, You have heard the commandment that says, 
you must not commit adultery. But I say, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So did you all catch that pattern here again? How does it start out? How does this antithesis start out? You've heard that it was said, but I say. So again, it's a pattern. We're going to see it over and over and over again here. But for this uh, antithesis here, we see Jesus, he's once again addressing one of the Ten Commandments, one that we're all pretty familiar with, and especially those on that mountainside are familiar with. Thou shall not commit adultery. And so, let me ask you, similar question that I asked earlier. When you read this commandment, thou must not commit adultery, what does it mean? I'm going to go to this side. I've been throwing too much candy to that side. So someone else from this side of the room, what does that mean you must not commit adultery? Yeah, it'd be like, it'd be like cheating on, on a spouse. It, it essentially means like committing a... It essentially means that you are committing a sexual act with someone who is not your spouse. That's what committing uh, adultery means. And so it's pretty plain and simple. Like this commandment is plain and simple. It's telling husbands and wives, do not cheat on your spouse. Plain and simple. Do not have sexual relations with someone who is not your spouse. Very easy to understand. But Jesus, what does he say? Well, but I say, anyone who even looks at a woman, and here he's kind of talking to strictly the men, but ladies, you're just as guilty of this as well. Anyone who even looks at a woman, or anyone who even looks at a man with lust, has already committed adultery with them in their heart. So similar to how we discussed anger being the leading cause for someone to, you know, take the life of another to commit murder, angers what leads to that. What leads to adultery? Yeah, lust. Lust is what leads to adultery. It is, and, and what exactly is lust? What does it mean to commit lust, Aiden? Yeah, I think that's right on. Sexual longing. It, it is looking at someone in a sexual manner. That is what lust means. And so what Jesus is saying is that if you even look at someone that way, that is not your spouse, that is the same as committing the act. Like, have you ever heard the phrase, you can look, but you can't touch? You guys heard that phrase before? I can tell you for a fact, I know I heard that phrase countless times when I was in middle and high school. You know, especially from guys that were in relationships They would talk about how they lust and they look at other girls that are not their girlfriends and they'd be like, hey, it doesn't matter. I can look, but I just can't touch. And Jesus is saying, no, that is all wrong because what you're doing, it is the same as just committing adultery. You're doing it in your heart. You're doing the same thing. And so the question is, how can we stop lust from even being a problem for us? What can we do to even prevent that from happening? And Jesus, well, he gives us an answer, but I tell you, it is pretty scary. So listen to this. This is verse 29 here. Listen to Jesus as he talks about how can we control our lust. 
He says, so if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. Because it is better for you to lose just one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Gives another example. And if your hand, even your good hand, your strong hand, causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for, for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. I mean, wow. I mean, this, this is intense stuff right here. I mean, talking about gouging out your eye, like cutting off your hand. Like what's gotten into Jesus all of a sudden? Like this is really intense. But why do you think Jesus is so intense about this? Why do you think Jesus is so intense about this to the point where he's talking about gouging out eyes and cutting off hands? Why is he so intense about all this? Why do you think? This is a really tough question. Aiden? Yeah, so because, he, because of his love for us, he wants what's best for us. He wants us to not live in this life of sin. Yeah, and I think that's exactly right. And so as, as we kind of reflect on this, I think the main thing that Jesus is trying to do here is he's trying to get each of us to understand as we read this, just the gravity and long-term consequences that something like lust can have on each of us. And so I want to show you a, a picture here. I want to show you a picture here that I found, and it was just, like, when I found it uh, a few weeks ago, like, it just took my breath away a little bit. So this is just a diagram where it's kind of showing uh, different diagrams of your brain. And so the one on the left, it's just showing a picture of a normal brain. That's great. And then that middle one is your brain on heroin. And you can see how it starts to impact the brain in a significant negative way. And then this one on the right, it shows what your brain is like whenever you are addicted to pornography, addicted to lust, to looking at others in a sexual manner. And so I find this fascinating because I think pretty much everyone in our world would say something like heroin, that is the biggest no-no. Like, don't do drugs, don't do heroin, it will ruin your life. Like, pretty much we hear that everywhere. But I don't hear many people saying, don't watch porn, like, don't look at someone lustfully, that's pretty normal for us to do. Everyone does it. So it doesn't matter. Like, that's what I hear the world telling us. And yet, look at the negative impact. And this is just like the physical negative impacts that it has on us. Because the way that it impacts your brain is it starts to uh, change the structure of your brain and it starts to reduce the impulse control that you have whenever you are addicted to pornography. And that's just like the physical stuff, but that's not even talking about the other impacts that it can have on your life. Because it doesn't even talk about how being addicted to lust and porn can impact and ruin relationships that you have. It can impact and ruin your confidence. And what Jesus is talking about 
it can impact and ruin your soul. And there's one more fact here that I have about this. Those who are addicted to pornography are significantly more likely to commit adultery. Not really that surprising. This is why Jesus is so intense about this. This is why I'm being a lot more intense about this than normal. Because, as Aidan said, because of his love for us, he doesn't want us to deal with this pain, this struggle that comes with it. Because the world's going to say, yeah, it's no big deal. But Jesus is saying, no, this will ruin your life. So gouge out your eye, cut off your hand, do whatever you have to do to let this not become a problem. And it doesn't matter if you're a guy. It doesn't matter if you're a girl. This is a struggle for all of us. So what can we do to conquer it? The best thing we can do that I always see is it's all about holding one another accountable. It's being in community together, holding one another accountable so that things like this never become a problem for us. Stopping the problem from ever becoming a problem. That's what it's all about. And that's what Jesus is trying to teach us here with these uh, six antitheses. And so, as I conclude, I just kind of want to wrap it up with this. In the same way with all forms of sin, whether it's issues with anger, whether it's issues with lust, if we're not doing anything to try and stop it, it is only going to cause major consequences in your life. It is only going to have these negative impacts on your life. And so that's what this entire point of this passage of the Sermon on the Mount, it's all about. It's all about seeing here as the starting point for these extreme problems like committing murder or committing adultery. Jesus is saying like, you're focused on this, but I'm focused on this at the bottom. Like we want to, we want to stop it here. We want to rip the roots out right away so it doesn't even have the chance to grow. And so if you're not doing anything to try and start ripping those roots out or prevent those roots from ever getting, getting planted, you're going to have a long, long struggle. But that's what this community is all about. And our Savior, He's right there to help us out too. So let me pray, and then I'm going to break you guys off into your small groups so you can discuss this a little bit more. Heavenly Father, Lord, these are tough, tough topics for us to discuss. These are hard topics for us to discuss, and they might make us feel a little bit uncomfortable as we talk about issues we may have with anger, you know, issues we might have with lust. But Lord, thank you for the teaching of your son, Jesus. Thank you for his teaching that he just lets us know just the severity that these problems can lead to. And thank you for helping us know how we can conquer these problems from ever even becoming problems in the first place. And Lord, it's my prayer that each of these students in this room, they take this teaching to heart. And like the wise, they will place this into their lives and follow it like a wise man who builds his house on solid rock. Lord, thank you for our time tonight. And may you just be with us during our time of small group as we look to discuss this a little more deeply. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thanks for listening to tonight's lesson. As always, you can go back and listen to any previous lessons that you might have missed. Also, if you want to stay up to date with what is happening in the Five Forks Student Ministries, we encourage you to follow us on Facebook and Instagram, where you can find us under Five Forks Students. Or you can check out our website, ffbic.org slash students.